What do you get when you mix two semi-fit MasterChef finalists with a passion for good food, good fun, and good causes? Since Billy and Jack achieved fame in this iconic TV cookery show in 2016, they've gone on to create sell-out supper clubs in Covent Garden and work with leading brands such as Google, Lidl, and Kettle One. However, it's not all been a bit of roses, as Billy suffered a major setback when diagnosed with a potentially life-limiting illness in 2017. This, then, is their story so far. Each week, I'll be asking my guests to tell us one or two of their favourite secret places to visit in London, whether it's a restaurant, pub, museum, or simply a lovely walk. So make sure you listen to the end of the show, where my guest will spill the beans on their legacy reveal. I'm Steve Lazarus, and this is your London Legacy. Well, I'm delighted to be here today with Billy and Jack, and they're sitting in the right order, like Ant and Deck, left to right, so I shouldn't get confused. So welcome, Billy. Hello. And welcome, Jack. Hi, it's, how you doing? It's Billy Wright, isn't it? It is indeed, Because yes. Jack, I've just found out, Jack didn't have a clue that Billy Wright was a famous footballer. You're the most famous <laughs> Billy Wright that I know. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, the other Billy Wright is long gone. <laughs> I don't know. He must, he must have gone a lot some time yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah, some time ago, I think. But 90 yeah. caps for England. Been, that was pretty good. Knighted. Yeah, very good. Follow. God, I really did miss out. <laughs> yeah, okay. That's well, there you bad. go. You've oh, learned, you, you've okay. learned something anyway. Absolutely. So welcome, Billy and Jack, to your London Legacy. It's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you for having us. Um, not at all. Uh, I had hoped to meet you guys upstairs. Oh, I should say where we are. We're in the Picture House Central, uh, Piccadilly. Which is somewhere else you hadn't been. Which well, I'm, yeah. I'm, all, I'm also delightful. shocked. You're learning all these things today about London and about each other, which is fantastic. But Picture House Central is, is a wonderful position, and I'll show you upstairs into the members area and the the bar and the rooftop terrace, which overlooks Haymarket and Piccadilly. It's lovely. So maybe you can do some cooking or something here. Who knows? It's a wonderful place to. We've definitely been to the worst places, that is for sure. Have you? Oh, oh yes. Oh, yes. No, cooking somewhere like this would be really cool. We do get to cook in some really nice amazing places but we've also cooked some absolute dives so <laughs> not mentioning any names the bell on middle <laughs> oh no 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 <laughs> steady <laughs> well again welcome to your london legacy I, I, before we kick off I, I should introduce you you're both very well known for your uh, trials and tribulations on master chef you were both finalists in 2016 yeah i can't believe episode. it three years ago now i should yeah yeah unbelievable not the professionals the the amateurs show is that correct? Yes, we, we were on the amateur show, yeah, 2016. Yep. Both got through to the final three. Uh, neither of us both won. lost. Just pipped I by a lovely lady by the name of Jane, Jane Devonshire. Jane Devonshire. Damn her. I no. had a very bad day in the kitchen that day. I was edited very well. <laughs> no, we love Jane and, and she's done an amazing job. But yeah, unfortunately, we didn't quite win. But it allowed us to go out and do our own thing, which has been awesome. It's fantastic. So... We want to find out a little bit about yourselves and your journey through to how you worked your way to the final of MasterChef, which in itself is, a, is an amazing feat. And I've only just found out when we met a few minutes ago that you're still actually doing your pre-MasterChef careers, which is, I don't think anybody knew. Well, you kept that quiet, maybe. I don't know. No, I think from our, from our social media presence, everyone thinks that we're beavering away in the kitchen day in, day out. But uh, Well, no, you we certainly do. gave that impression, which is well, fine. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> well, that's because that's no one else is really interested in what else we, are doing, what else we do. The cooking is the most interesting yeah, bit. Absolutely. No, we were saying it is interesting that people actually have, I don't know what they call it today, like a side hustle or oh, a, yeah, second yeah, job, a second job, which yeah. keep, keeps the juices flowing and keeps the interest on your hand in. Absolutely, so, yeah, yeah. So, Billy, you are... I think are, it's a very millennial yeah. thing, isn't it? Yeah. And I'm not a millennial. I'm, I'm just 
raising my hand now. I'm definitely not millennial. You're not a millennial. Millennial or two. Uh, millennial? Yeah. Millennial. <laughs> where, where, where does millennial begin? 1981, is it? Oh, I creep yeah. in. But um, no, so I work in um, commercial agency, dealing with restaurants and restaurateurs. So it's, it's, it's relatively linked to food, which uh-huh. is, yeah, it's, it's, it's good. It's, it's an interesting market at the moment, but yeah. that's as far as I'll go with that. <laughs> well, I'm a 60s child. I know I don't look it, but I, I, I'm, a, I'm a 60s child. You don't look it. <laughs> Thank you. I'll show you my bald spot in a minute. <laughs> so yeah, having a side hustle is, is quite interesting because this is not my main career, and but cooking is your main thing, isn't it, now? or? you do that is your is your main passion anyway I should C- say. cooking is the main focus i'd say it kind of we dial it up and down depending on how much stuff we've got going on so sometimes there's a lot more cooking going on sometimes there's less cooking it's it's quite seasonal as well yeah, it is very um, seasonal i mean our, our summers are definitely busier so property wise for instance summers are very quiet whereas for us summers are really busy on the food front doing all the demonstrations and going around doing a lot of cooking and it's when a lot of brands do their um do their thing that we work with. So you're thing. in yeah. the property business. What are you, what are you in? Uh, I work in, in branding. So I work with, I do, I do lots of branding sort of stuff. <laughs> but you know, loosely related as well. I mean, you know, working with brands and in campaigns and advertising. And so stuff you're the branding guy. That. So who was it who came up with the uh, the tagline? What, the name Billy and Jack. <laughs> B- 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 Billy, I'm t- I assume they're your real names. Billy Wright. I, th- I think you <laughs> might think of the term MasterChef losers. No, no, not at all. Master, <laughs> MasterChef winners. It was the two semi-fit guys. Which I, which do, do you know I what? That, that. that actually came from <laughs> Time, Out. Time Out magazine, who did a review of a supper club we were holding on top of the Southbank Centre. And, and I, I think it was something along the lines of, well, you might have heard of them because they're the, or you might know them, they're the kind of semi-fit MasterChef losers. Uh, That's or something like That's that. And, uh, yeah, we, we were quite we were the losers. That, I'm, a bit, I'm a bit aggrieved at semi-fit. Yeah, I've, I mean, I've been called worse, so that's yeah, quite. I think that. that's harsh, but you've obviously you love that. Obviously, it's on your website. You, so you, well, you think it's part of your you know, branding. Okay. Jack, Jack's had a branding. I'll, I'll leave that to him to answer. <laughs> I, I was just, I was just happy to be called Semi Fit, and I'm just, <laughs> I'm flying the flag. So we got a branding guy, we got a property guy. So what was the path that led you to become? involved with MasterChef I mean what is the because it's quite a rigorous process to get to that stage so so t- how did Jack, you Jack's is actually more of an ex- interesting story than mine mine was just sort of get I was I was a very um, I suppose competent home cook I also played a lot of cricket when I was younger and had to give up when I was about 27 so that released a lot of my weekend time and also that came together with living in London and from being from Nottingham the food scene there is not overly fantastic it's got better now but then it wasn't that great but coming here I remember going to Borough Market for the first time and getting off at Borough Tube. You don't do that second time. And then walk, walking up Borough High Street to the market, it was like, where is this market? Anyway, and then seeing all this fabulous produce, which yeah. is really expensive, but also just having that there and being able to see it, buy it, touch it, smell it, and then go back and cook it. And I, sure. would, I would literally do dinner parties, cooking for 10 hours, maybe starting on a Wednesday, and then to cook on a Saturday and that sort of evolved into people saying well your food's quite good you should go on MasterChef so completely self-taught yep. from yeah, recipe, yeah. Books, from and recipe w- books and watching MasterChef presumably yeah, <laughs> fairly hefty collection of recipe books do you want to name drop your favourite <laughs> recipe book and chef you are you are an influencer after all so, so uh, Phil Howard who now runs Elliston Street but previously of the square his two books were definitely the most worn and used in my collection well, no, I mean, you know, everyone always says, you know, have you always cooked since you were a kid? And yes, basically. 
I think probably the penny dropped when uh, my school, my primary school, took me to Pizza Express when I was, well, like 10 maybe. And uh, the, as a day out, they took us and we made our own pizzas. And I was like, you could make this? You could make pizza? I'd always cooked a lot. My mum cooks a lot. My dad cooks a lot. I think I went back home and said, mum, if I make my own pizza, can I eat pizza? And she basically said, yeah. And, and I think probably for about three or four years after that, I just made pizza constantly because I wanted to eat it. And there's no way my mum would... Why have we not opened a pizza restaurant? <laughs> it's coming up. Yeah. I, I, my mum would never have bought me pizzas all the time. What, for health reasons? Yeah, or just... but, but she was more than happy enough to let me just go off and cook stuff because she saw it as being really, you know, I guess kind of healthy and, and good. And, and I think for me as a kid, linking together the idea that you can cook something that you want to eat was it. And now, you know, I cook, I love to eat. It just joins the dots for me. I think it's just fantastic. It's funny, actually, because, I mean, I sort of think I enjoy cooking, but I never bother to do it. And, the one, <laughs> and the one, when my wife, who absolutely hates and detests cooking, say, I'll go and see, why don't you do it tonight? I said, I can't, can't be bothered. I'm, I'd much rather watch you guys do it and sort of get the juices going and then go out for a good meal than, than prepare it myself. I mean, the preparation, to me, is like a complete nightmare. Oh, no, there's a joy in the prep. Prep. The pre-prep is is what takes the time. It obviously takes the time. The pre-prep. Rend- What's yeah, the pre-prep? Well, well, not the pre-prep. <laughs> the mise en place is what you call it in a professional kitchen, I suppose. Well, the, the pe- peeling it's all the, the it's all the stuff that you don't see. All the hard work that goes in. It starts at like seven a.m. for then get ready everything for service, and then service is the easy bit that you actually enjoy, or easier bit, unless it goes wrong. And I think that's something we've learned as we've cooked, you know, for large groups of people and 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 cooking for our supper clubs and and dinners and takeovers and stuff is it's all about the prep and actually when you're in service you do very little cooking it's all about the hours before that and that makes your cooking experience actually really great and i think that's what a lot of people get when they do dinner parties is they leave it all to the last minute haven't actually no haven't cooked anything (laughs) a la minute basically everything (laughs) absolutely (laughs) but like prep it chop everything beforehand you know pre-cook stuff and then when you get your guests there just, you know, do it, reheat it, Where's whatever. the pleasure in chopping and peeling and it's measuring quite, It's things. quite therapeutic. One of oh, my, it's therapeutic. One of my favourites is podding broad beans. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know whether to, to say that's sad or... or Should we just finish? <laughs> or, or the joy is no, in the broad process, beans clearly. Broad is nearly upon us. I can't wait. <laughs> oh, <laughs> joy. <laughs> so let's just go back a step before we get to uh, the podding of peas. What is the process? Just explain that. What is the process? So you realised you were decent cooks. You must have right. thought, I'm a decent cook. I know what. I'm going to put myself up for MasterChef. It's actually quite straightforward. So I don't know if it's changed in the last three years, but there is a website and there is a PDF that you download and you fill out. Then you send it off and you don't hear anything for a number of months. And then suddenly someone phones you up in the middle of your day at work and says, Hi, I'm from MasterChef. Can I just talk to you about your application for a little bit? And you go, oh my God, what's going on? (laughs) And then they ask you loads of questions, which you're completely unprepared for. And then they say, well, I'll be in touch. And then you might hear from them again in another few weeks. And you speak to someone else. And then ask you more questions. Like, what three courses would you cook, John and Greg? And you just like, I remember having a call when I was on the M1 doing like 80 miles an hour. and going, "Um, do you mind if I just pull over? (laughs) (laughs) And then if they like you, then they take you. To, then you get to do like a um, like a casting thing on camera, and you have to go and plate a food, so plate you have a to, dish. You have to look semi-fit then. Well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> bearing in mind Billy was was classed as the the most fit contestant MasterChef ever had ever oh, had really? oh, by the sure. Sun Mag- Sun Ma- Sun newspaper. Oh, kudos to you, I'm mate. Not, I'm not sure it's the highest benchmark. <laughs> 
yeah, they, they do that. I think they see if you look good on, you know, or work on camera at least. And then, you know, two weeks later on, you get a little email saying, yeah, do you want to come and do it? To be fair, Billy's got a much better story about this, which I will tell because he tells it terribly. But um, Billy filled out the PDF. And I don't know if it's just because he's terrible at technology, but basically broke the application form and the application form went through to the producer who we now know is a good friend of ours and it had like half the information so it was like you know name Billy surname, <laughs> I don't think it had my surname it I always thought PDS was supposed to be unbreakable that was the whole purpose oh, of Billy, Billy broke it <laughs> half the information I think you know well, why do you want to be on Masterchef because I want to win all this sort of stuff and the producer only phoned him up because he was like well this guy sounds weird <laughs> I think he said Maverick was what <laughs> Maverick, obviously it worked out really well Bill. <laughs> <laughs> so, what, did you have to go do like some cooking, pre-cooking before the actual filmed event? Or? No, not at all. Literally, that that the only time that you're before you even like, literally the first day you go in there, you're literally thrust on camera and you have to cook. There's oh, okay. no because there's what no I saw on the website no, today um, was that you have to do some sort of pre-cookery sort of no, they said only the best cooks will be taken onto the show well, so you, I, I there's assume. a lot of questions about cooking ah. and you have to take well we did anyway we had to take a, um, a pre-cooked dish and assemble it on camera whether I mean I don't think they ate it I can't well, remember what, what was yeah, your they dish did, they did try it because I, I remember um, Neil the producer who read had a, he had a rock four cheesecake I remember that not from me but from someone and he was like I've eaten the worst cheesecake ever uh, that's all I remember him saying about about some of the other other potential contestants. I did a I did roast chicken with pea velouté on a um, caramelised onion tart. Wow, <laughs> which which is basically a Phil Howard recipe. And I got a takeaway from Le Gavroche. <laughs> <laughs> so you both end up on the on the program, and you had no knowledge of each other beforehand. Nope. So what point in the in the show did your paths cross? You weren't on the initial. No, it was, it was la- the last Group 14, stage. which I think was the knockout weeks. And that's when you met on knockout yeah. week. So are you kept apart? Are you just with your group initially? Yeah, I mean, it's, but they, they film for th- like three and a half months. So it's, it's a very, very long process. And you only right. find out who's in the yeah, like knockout or semis or whatever on the day. And you're, th- you know, you're thrust into the waiting room and, and, and you're, kind of, you're sussing out the competition. And I remember seeing Billy. And I looked him up and down. I was like, oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> no chance. <laughs> no, I was, I was worried he was going to be good and he proved it. <laughs> I first remember seeing Jack when he was uh, waiting for the uh, coffee dispenser in the big Tesco's before we went into filming, and I was like, "This chap's not from East London." <laughs> That's how they do the filming, and I was like, "He's got to be a MasterChef candidate." So, at what point in the show did did you think, you know, I mean, I've got a possibility here. I'm, I'm moving through the rounds, and I'm, I'm being selected. I don't think you ever do. I just think you take every every. I mean, I had I had a few more near scrapes than Jack, I think. There was one time where I think I was definitely out and I was just kept in by the skin of my teeth. But I think you just take each round Well, come on to your egg uh, debacle. I I wasn't even talking about the (laughs) eggs. I don't know. I I guess in in some ways for me, it was a little bit weirder because I think when when it was on the TV, I think I was potentially framed as the favourite. No, you definitely were. Just, just so you know, you should have won. <laughs> and don't don't I make you feel bad. Oh, yeah. I, was, that, I mean, it was the way it was edited, but then actually, as I got through, a lot of the other contestants started talking to me and were like, well, you're definitely the favourite. And I, I, was, I, didn't, I didn't think that. I never thought that at all. And that, maybe, maybe just having that in the back of my head really destroyed it for me. But, um, yeah, it's, it's a weird situation to be in. And equally, John and Greg, I think, they don't really take into account what you've been doing before that round that you're in 
So if you really, really, really do mess up on a round, you're out. You could, you could be producing three Michelin star food up until that point, but then if you serve them undercooked chicken, you're out, you know. So I think that's, that's the thing. There was never any sort of... I might, I might have been seen as a favourite, but... But you've got to be on your game 20... Absolutely, you know, absolutely. Time. And it shows, because actually in the final, I think any, any one of us three could have won it. And, and Jane knocked it out of the park, and you, 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 had a, you had a bad time. I had a shocker. Jane absolutely nailed it, and you did... You did and I, I did reasonably... I think I did okay, but I didn't, I didn't knock out of the park. And, and so, you know, f- f- full marks to Jane, because she really did, and, and she fully deserved on it on, on that day to win. Another day, Jane. <laughs> Another day. You're still, you're still in the touch. celebrity version. <laughs> yeah, we we still we see, we see Jane a lot. She's she's great. She's a good, you really have to good go friend. Go back and do some. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, some, the, some judging. Some yeah, judging. We're, that's we're, the word. Yeah, we're, we've been on three times now. The next one airs is yeah with this season's we're coming up. So well, it, dep- it depends when this podcast will be released. Ah, this will be going out in uh, two three weeks. I'm, I'm guessing. Well, you might have seen us on the show then. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. I can't actually remember what I said because we'd had a couple of red wines by the time uh, it finished because you eat, what did we do, four, four mains, three starters and one dessert, I think, this time? A fair amount of food, yeah. So the time pressure that they put across on telly, is that the genuine time pressure? You oh, know, yeah. They're saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. Greg's yeah, always yeah. shouting, another minute to go, guys, you know, five minutes to plate up and get it out. It's, it's edited very much in the way that you experience it. I mean, obviously, they're not showing the whole hour and a half two hour cook but the pressure yeah 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 the t- there's no there's no um there's no tv trickery there it, re- it really is horrible so what's the hardest part of the whole thing for you the whole process having to go back to do your day job after you've got through because obviously yeah. we got through and then you're like wow and you've already given in the brief for the next show effectively so you're actually thinking and two shows ahead so you've got to practice the, the brief that you're on next doing yeah but then you've also got to get about eight in the morning to go to the office yeah <laughs> yeah it, 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 it was is exactly that it's 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 the fact that you know you're doing a, a full-time job and then i was getting back from from work like eight eight thirty in the evening i'd then walk down to the shop pick up loads of ingredients i'd cook i cooked i would say probably four or five nights a week until about midnight or one o'clock in the morning for three and a half months. Wow! And who were you serving your food to? Who, who, who was your trialist? Uh, my my long suffering girlfriend, now wife. <laughs> <laughs> who? Uh, uh, yes, I'm not. I'm not sure she remembers that time as a particularly fond memory, but I know she was very proud. So yeah, there was there was there was a lot of weird food going on. And presumably, you have to pay for all the ingredients yourself constantly. You, I mean, no one, it's not the BBC putting their hand in their pocket. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's not a, it's not a cheap thing to get involved with. But they do they do pay for a bit at the end, uh, which was unexpected and uh-huh. actually an unexpected little little pleasure of the of a last supper as such. When we were told, right, guys, you're on your own now. We can't help you any longer. Um, and they gave you a little envelope with a little check-in, which was, which was, was quite that's nice. nice. To cover some expenses. Didn't really cover all. Uh, I think that, that, that's the thing, right? So you, you, you that, that's in, how much you practice and what you practice with is in your control. But if you're like me and Billy and you, and you have truffles a... Truffles out. Yeah, you get the truffles out and you have a little bit of a, a, an affection for the more expensive ingredients. And you're, you know, you're cooking with turbot and all that sort of stuff. It's very easy to rack up. Or 180 uh, eggs. Or 180 eggs. It's easy to reckon a, a few thousand pounds worth of ingredients <laughs> in a short amount of time. So, 
but so, it's you know worth it. Yeah. Totally when when, it. when is the filming? Because you say you have to. You're doing your day job. So is the filming in the evening at the end? Or you got to? No, the, fi- the filming's in in a day. So you just I, I took holiday and unpaid leave. But it's, but, it, but it's all very random. It's sort of like one week you've got three days off. The next week one day off. The next week two days off. Then nothing. Then maybe one day off. So it's all very fragmented. It's not yeah. sort of you have a, two weeks and you film it all. So yeah, you're not allowed to tell anyone either. So oh, wow. I had some clients saying, um, like, "Billy, are you well? Is everything okay?" Because you'd be having like not there like random days. And actually, I was like, "No, I'm, I'm actually filming a TV show." I didn't tell them what it was. <laughs> so how um, do your bosses? I mean, were they okay with uh, your yeah, taking time I mean, off all I, the time? Yeah, I worked at a very small company at that point, and actually, they're very food focused. Um, the owner was the, then the editor of Sainsbury's magazine, okay. so, or previous editor of Sainsbury's magazine. So love food, and it was sort of like we'll use this as a beneficial when it comes out which we did I'd, I'd started a new job a week before I found I was on the show and I had to have a very awkward conversation with my new bosses and, and basically said I may or may not need a month off <laughs> over the next three months and uh, and they were like okay and I was like P.S. it's for MasterChef and uh my boss just, I think, leapt out of his seat. Just like, oh my god, I love that show. Go for it. I'll support you all the way. And they were, they, they were like absolutely incredible. Um, and they came to our, we, we had, we had a little final party where we, friends and family, colleagues, yeah. we all viewed the final together, and they came, and it was yeah, such it was a great fun. night. It was probably about what 50, 60 people there, yeah. I think, in total. But looking back on it, it was obvious that neither of us won. <laughs> I tried like, to well, find... We, have a joint, we had a joint party and no one twigged that neither of us won because it'd be a bit odd if we had a joint party and I won or Jack won because it'd be like, I don't know, maybe it wouldn't have been. It would have been, wouldn't it? <laughs> Probably, yeah. We're not that clever. I don't know whether they've deleted the final, but I, I tried to find it on, I don't know, YouTube or, or something. It'll be on like Watch or something or Dave. If uh, yeah, YouTube but he, it's very, di- very difficult. I, I found the announcement, you know, when they lined the three of you up and it's... it's the three of you will have a nice big hug and then they go to Greg, Greg and Sean and they give a nice other big hug and a kiss and a cuddle as well. They come over all sort of soppy, which was quite sweet. Oh, yeah, we love John and Greg. I mean, they are they are such great guys. You're still in touch with them? Yeah, now and then. Yeah. Now and then. They, they, they come, you know, the way they come across on TV is pretty much how they are in real life and they are really... Very genuine people. Very genuine. And, and yeah, Greg makes you... Greg, especially at the start, makes you feel very comfortable with his little one-line jokes and just sort of like... Because obviously you, you step into a TV studio and you have to cook. It's sort of like everyone's out of their comfort zone but he sort of like brings you back back down to earth and helps you through and then John really picks you up as you go further as a cook yeah it's, it's a, it was a, it was a and could you feel yourselves growing as cooks as you progress through the competition getting progressively harder and learning more and more skills uh, 100% I, the way I think about it is that I reckon I probably did the equivalent of a university degree in cooking in three months because that literally every as I said like I was cooking four, five, six, seven times a week for six hours in a go and I taught myself how to cook I couldn't cook before I went on a show I had a you know I knew how to cook a few things but I taught myself how to cook easily yeah. which is interesting because this is one of the reasons why I actually do like MasterChef as opposed to all the other sort of type of you know X Factor type shows yeah. because you actually see people growing in skills in personality and belief and self-confidence as they go through the, the process yeah and I think people watching the show because it'll be on when, it, when this is out and I know it's easy to shout at the TV, but these people are working so hard and pushing themselves so far. And, and you know, when, when people are crying because someone said something nice about their food, they, this, isn't, this isn't an X Factor jobby. This isn't a, you know, made for TV. This is people literally at the end of their tether. 
as raw tired. as it gets. Tired, knackered, yeah. emotional, and yeah, if someone says something great about your food, you're just like ecstatic, and like you know, you know you're going through to the next round is amazing. So is it really emotional when you place your plate of food in front of John and Greg? And they say, "Up you come, Billy. Up you come, Jack." And they, they look at it and they uh, analyze it, and you know, well, that's a bit under seasoned, or that's a bit that your potatoes not cooked through anything. It's a horrible experience. <laughs> is it? Seriously? Had to shake it. Oh my! Neck on the block. You're like, oh. Uh, yeah, and you know, by the by the by the time the final comes around, you, you know these guys really well, and, and you want them to love it, not just because they're John and Greg, because you you spent so much time with them. You've been, you know, we went to Mexico with them for seven days, and you, you want to do them proud. It's hor- it's horrible. Anyone judging was that, anything? Was that your finals week? I, I can't. Was that the one on where you're doing all the street food? Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. We went to um, a mar- yeah a market a outside market. of uh, outside of Mexico City. It was amazing. I mean, I managed to order order purchase something from the market in some broken language which i'm not sure they knew what it was but we managed to sort it made some made some lovely mexican street food it was great yeah, fun. I Served I re- the locals. Yeah, it was great yeah. it's just the most fantastic week like but completely bonkers obviously but the most fantastic week imaginable really so when did you two guys bond then because you obviously got a very good relationship so when did you first hit it off was that during finals week or I don't, know, I don't know if our eyes met over a crowded room. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was definitely on uh, seat 37A on the bit on the flight out there. No, it, it was just, it's, uh, it's uh, I guess, the further you go in the competition, the less people who are left. You spend much more time talking, chatting, getting on with, being in everyone else's space. And yeah, we just, we cook in the same sort of style. We obviously both live in London. We have a lot in sort of common. So it's sort of like, it just... Was a, was a, I was going to say a match made in heaven. A, that was, yeah. a match made in heaven. I'd, I'd say, yeah, flying to Mexico City and experiencing the highs and lows of that was was a, was drinking a, a drinking a lot of mezcal. Was a, that was a really big bonding experience. Yeah. So you you come to the end of the show, you you certainly didn't lose in my eyes. I mean, getting to the final is just an incredible achievement. You're too kind. No, no. I mean, gen- genuinely, I genuinely mean that, guys. It's, it, you, you can't you can't lose when you get to the final of MasterChef because it's just they're really they're, unless you completely foul up it's their preference at the end of the day isn't it yeah. you're all fantastic I think groups. it was both of our goal to get through to the final three yeah. just, go, just go from start to finish I think it was just literally I remember you always saying all I've got to do is get to the end I'm just going to I'm going to complete it and what happens on that final day is what happens yeah I didn't care actually if I won weirdly I was just like I want to see it through to the bitter end yeah. Yeah. and I didn't really mind the result uh, my wife <laughs> minded the result but I guess she was kind of you know, seeing it from a different perspective. And you, you can't lose being at the... I, I think the hardest place to lose is in day one, really, getting kicked out. The, <laughs> I've got to disagree. No, I think the hardest... I so think, unfortunately <laughs> for our good friend Juanita... Oh, uh, Juanita, yeah. The hardest place is maybe fourth or even... Uh, or Stu. Not coming to Mexico is Not going to find... Stu missing out on not coming to Mexico yeah. might have been... Because that, that is a once in a lifetime. I mean, the whole thing's once in a lifetime in a way. But I mean, that really is. Going I guess away I'm just thinking for, of going into the process deeper into the process. Yeah. But but miss, it's like being a semi-finalist. No one no one remembers the, the the losers. But we remember you guys because you're still you're still cracking on doing good stuff. Because we're semi-fit. Hello, <laughs> alive <laughs> and cooking. You're you still like you're still semi-fit, alive and cooking. Very good. Who's who's the brand master now then? <laughs> well, you are. Taking on. <laughs> so had you spoken before? you came to the end about doing something together I don't really remember actually I just I think towards the end we both knew that we wanted to continue cooking in some shape or form and given you know we lived near each other you know similar interests and stuff we'd been I mean we you know we'd been for drinks and 
you know, we, we met each other's partners and stuff, and we we're like, well, let's just do something. And it wasn't anything more than that. And, you know, we started uh, doing a supper club, and then we started a business, and we started an Instagram feed, and did everything and set everything up from ground zero. So we really did start from the bottom, and it's been three years, and, and it's been hard work, and yeah, it's like, been enjoyable. It's, no, it's been it's been incredible, but some you know some 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 weird gigs. And oh, yeah, we've done some weird things. <laughs> Who does some weird stuff? What's the weirdest? Oh, I th- I think one of the weirdest was we when we went to Greece to cook uh, in Greece for a week, which was which was incredible. That was amazing. We said well, to we did them, cook for a week. We did one service and we had a holiday. It was brilliant. Uh, we had a holiday. Who, whose invite was this? Uh, it was a, a club called Pelagoni which was amazing and, and we did a massive supper club for them and it yeah. was it, it was an amazing experience we said to them you know let's go fishing if you wouldn't mind we love a bit of fishing yeah see, see where the, obviously we don't, we're on Zante I don't want to say the Greek name Zakynthos yeah, there you go because I can't say it yeah. <laughs> uh, um, and obviously yeah surrounded by ocean surrounded by beautiful seafood let's go out and see where all this comes from so they organised it for us but it was a fishing trip with a guy that didn't speak English and it was obviously a commercial fishing trip and we spent 10 hours on a boat <laughs> without even touching a fishing rod whilst he did his day job then told us to sleep in soaked petroleum rags <laughs> but we set off at 1am in the morning we got back at 11am in the morning and he'd done his full day job and we basically just sat on a boat in watch, silence watch what, what was he catching was he catching sort of shark or something or? no all, all sorts but he was pretty aggrieved when it was a seal snaffling all the decent fish that was coming up on the, on, on the hooks <laughs> It was, a, it was one of those, I just, we kept on catching each other eyes and going, what have we got ourselves into? <laughs> but it, it was fun, though. I, I, I won't forget that in a hurry. No, some good shooting stars, I remember seeing. Yeah, amazing. Very romantic, actually. No, that's steady, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the Greek islands are my, one of my favourite places in the world. Yeah, I, we love the Greek islands, myself and my wife. Go back there all the time. In fact, we're off to Cyprus later on this year. Very jealous. Yeah, Lovely. so you should be. <laughs> the Supper Club. Tell us about the Supper Club what the idea is behind that how that's working because I know you sell out supper club after supper club event after event I guess it's our main thing we started after the show because there were loads of people who wanted to eat our food you know they'd seen it on television and they're like you know when can we come and try the dishes so we we did a supper club but it and it it was awful and no yeah, it wasn't it awful. wasn't awful we just learned what you can do and what you can't do from brainstorming a one plate of food to then making that into 40 plates of food you soon learn you soon learn what you can and can't so what's the concept upscale. the two of you invite a group of no, it's all, was all it sorry. friends initially no, or no, just I, were you selling tickets for I this i think we were selling tickets from the off actually uh-huh. um, did we not have one we had one friends and family one yeah, poor friends and family yeah, no. just to trial it yeah, I yeah. giving my mate a burnt bit of pork because we, we didn't have enough well, there was only one bit that was burned, but we didn't have enough that he couldn't have a burnt one. And he still, but for anybody, he still ribs me about that. But for everyone thinking about buying a ticket now, yeah. uh, things have changed over three years. Things have changed. So we've been doing it for three years. We've done we've done you know dozens of these things. We've done you know, probably more than that. You know we've done loads and loads of this sort of stuff. And and we now run a monthly supper club in Covent Garden. Uh, it's pretty exclusive. It's like twenty four to thirty people. And where do you hold them? Uh, it's a place called Bocky yep. uh, on Earlham Street, just just off Seven Dials, actually. It's a beautiful little uh, kind of cafe bar place. And they just the give ages. you the run of the place, do they? Uh, I wouldn't say quite the run of the place. Um, <laughs> well, it is, we call it a dinner club because it's more like a restaurant takeover rather than a supper club. So supper club obviously has the connotations of you're coming around to someone's for supper. You have effectively a big sharing table, whereas this is you can sit on your own. 
so you don't have to talk to him. Other oh, I see. So you don't have to so sit with the other 40 people. No, you can sit no, down no, as so if you're you, going out with yeah, your missus exactly, for a exactly. meal. Exactly. Or you come in a group and we will sit you as a group. So it's very much more of a... Do you take over the restaurant? Yeah, so we take over the restaurant where we keep their staff on. So we have a right. full bar, we have a cocktail bar, we have their staff. We basically just run all, do all the food, which I means see. that we can obviously concentrate on that and concentrate on hosting and doing that rather than seeing who's got a corkscrew to open the bottle of wine that they've bought, etc., etc. So you guys... Create the menu. You do all the prep and all the cooking and everything. Ab- Absolutely, all the food is 100 percent us. So and they do all the front of the house and all the service and everything Absolutely, else. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And you go and mingle and. Oh, we we always mingle. We 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 sometimes do goodie bags. We sometimes do shots after the dinner. After dinner speeches. After dinner speeches. Yeah, we know we love it. We we just. I mean, going back to the Greek thing, we, we quite often we will rock up at a guest table with a with a bottle of something. We'll all do shots and have a drink and catch up, and oh, we just like fun. we just try to make it. It's it's like going to a restaurant. If no, actually, it's the wrong way of putting it. It's like going to a dinner party if if a dinner party was in a restaurant, basically. So it's like being surrounded by friends and having a super relaxed time, but where hopefully the food is you know of an impeccable quality and and uh, and, and you know really exciting food, yeah. Do the guests know what the menu is in advance, or they just book up and take lucky dip when, no, when they, they get No, they book up and then we release the menu. Yeah, right. Well, maybe we should do like a little wild card one where you don't know what the menu is until you turn up. <laughs> I think we've done that before. <laughs> well, have you guys eaten at? Um, is it Don Lenoir, the uh, restaurant where it's completely dark and run by um, all, oh, the, all I, the? I, I have actually eaten there, and it, uh, it was interesting. Should we say? <laughs> because that is there is a lucky dip menu on on the menu. You have a choice of meat, don't you? Fish. Veg, vegan or vegetarian and I think there's a lucky dip one as well I personally love lucky dip menus I'm I'm even if I go to a restaurant you know with a printed menu I'll normally order the stuff that I have no idea what it is just 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 for the hell of it and and sometimes that is a terrible decision and I've had awful awful dinners where yeah. I've hated everything and the people with me have loved everything yes. but you know no sometimes it pays off no, well, when we went to Don Lenoir, as you know, it's completely in the dark. You're led in by blind blind waiters, and you cannot see a thing, which which in itself is a fascinating experience. And we're all going, mm, this is this is nice, this is tasty. And then we go outside, and my wife is quite fussy with what she eats. Finds out she's eaten, I can't remember, snake or alligator or whatever it was. She just starts to sort of gag. <laughs> you didn't you didn't mind the taste of it? It's just because you don't like the sound of it. Absolutely, yeah. And I think I think that's actually quite an interesting thing. We do we do menus, uh, set menus without a choice, you know. And I think a lot of people eat the food they might not have had before. And you know, we did um, was it. Uh, brill a few a few yep. times back and I had a lady just say oh, I never order fish I don't really like fish but it, she, it was the first time she'd eaten fish in this sort of thing and she absolutely loved it and that's amazing you know she discovered something new I think people have these ideas in their head that from childhood they, they don't like something and they're never going to try it again I mean I've still got for years I had a phobia about strawberries because once I was told I broke out into a rash when I had a strawberry when I was a kid. So for years I refused to eat anything with a straw- strawberry. It's pathetic, I wow. know. <laughs> but we all take, I think, these things through our life, oh, don't we? Things yeah. we hate or things we love, and we will stick with them rigidly. So no, trying I've, things. I've, I've, come, I've come around to liking corn now. I never used to like corn. And even when we went to Mexico, I was like, I can't add to the... Because everything's made with masa, which is like corn pops. So all the tortillas are properly are proper rather than some of the ones we get here. And I was just like, I don't actually like the taste of it. Whereas now, I can't get enough of it. It's bizarre. There you go. Mm. Love a bit of corn. <laughs> so let's just dial it back a bit, because I think shortly after you two guys met and were going to do something together, I think, Billy, you became unwell or realised you had a, a problem. 
yeah, so I um, back in 2017, I uh, I found a lump in my neck. Well, I didn't find it then. I actually found it a year before I actually got it sorted out or went to try and get it sorted out. And I was eventually diagnosed with thyroid cancer and had a fairly hefty operation. I've, you can't see it. You won't be able to see it in this side anyway, but I've got a nine-inch skull all the way around. You won't be able to see it on the podcast. No, <laughs> no but I just say, I just well, Steve. Do some, we'll, we'll do some photographs, Arthur, but we won't, well, you, you actually can't see it. I can vouch for it. You no, cannot see it either. Um, yeah, so they took out my thyroid, they took out uh, two prime tumours and 101 lymph nodes. Wow. Um, so yeah, nine-hour operation and then a couple of weeks rest. Everything went well, apart from my voice. One of my um, ner- nerves was damaged, so I couldn't really speak very well or very loudly. And that was when we were just starting our um, month-long supper club at the, um, at the Royal Festival Hall on the South Bank. So, yeah, Jack had to basically do all the... Because we always do a little speech to start with, and I, unless you're literally sat in front yeah. of me, you wouldn't be able to hear me. So Jack did most of that for the first couple of weeks, but then a bit of voice, co- bit of voice tr- coaching and that came back, and then... Uh, a bit of follow-up radio uh, iodine therapy and yeah everything is touch wood on well thank fine. god for so that now I'm on you, you just six month six monthly checkups just to monitor my medication and just to make sure i don't have any further growth basically oh, well that's fantastic and i said before off off mic as it were you you guys look super fit and healthy so that's uh, credit to you guys because you're also running we'll come on to that in a second but you said you found a lump a year before uh, yeah, you became think, aware there was a problem? Mm, yeah, so I've always had the problem. It's not a problem, but I always I always used to have bad uh, swollen glands in my neck from uh, from being a very young child. I was quite sickly with tonsillitis and infections, etc. So I just assumed that it was a gland that hadn't gone down. So I, and I wasn't ill. So I just thought... And actually, by the end of it, you can look at some of the photos that we had taken before I had the operation. Um, you can actually see my neck is sort of like bulging. And yeah, the doctors were like, and how long do you think you've had this for? And I obviously, because you lie to your doctor, I said, oh, probably about two months. Yeah. <laughs> no, and um, well. it was like, really? And I was like, oh, actually, it's probably more like six months, maybe 12 months. And they were like, you should have got this checked sooner. And I was like, yes, I'm aware of that now. But um, anyway, yeah, so you should, if you find something, definitely go yeah. to... So uh, you went all the way through MasterChef? All, yeah, so all I, I had it at that point. Not no, And you, um, weren't, you didn't have I any could, symptoms of it? No, there was no, it was, there was no symptoms other than this. I wasn't, so actually the reason I went to the doctors, because I had, they thought I originally had a pneumonia. So I had a cough for a month that wouldn't go. And I, it took a month for me to go to the doctors with a cough. <laughs> Yeah. So basically just go to the doctors classic, <laughs> classic bloke thing isn't yeah. it? ignore if, it if, if, if you feel unwell go yeah but he wasn't well, apart no. from the cough just had this lump wasn't feeling terribly unwell no and so it, actually cough. the two weren't linked either so so the cough just, was nothing to do no, with it no it was nothing to do with it yeah. so thank god you had a cough really well I know exactly <laughs> otherwise uh, and yeah what, what, one of the, not to get too morose about it one of the questions I did ask my consultant because you get you get have the option whether you have the operation or not because obviously there are risks attached to an operation where they're cutting around your jugular and your neck etc um, and he said and i said what happens if i don't have the operation he said well you've probably got about three to four years left to live before the tumor gets so big that you won't be able to breathe and then that'll be it's not really a so choice I was like, no, no not really much choice is this so i was like yeah fine um not that i was ever not going to have it but sure i just thought i'd ask the question but so yeah, now you've was- been through that episode in your life i see you guys are also involved in fundraising and, uh, and charity work and cancer research i think is one of your nominated charities yeah we, d- we, d- we try and do a lot for charity because it's you know it's something we we're quite passionate about and, and i think when you're fortunate enough to be in a position where you have you know a bit of a social following and, and a bit of a position of 
you know, being semi-fit MasterChef losers, it's nice to do something... Semi-fit influencers. Yeah, back. Like back. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's not just all about you, you, you. And we've been given this opportunity, this platform, and so why not speak from it and use it for powers of good and not yeah, just, sure. for, just for us? So, yeah, we do love giving back. And obviously, because of what I went through, and uh, my mum has gone through can- cancer as well and has come out the other side so it's something that obviously is, is very close to me and, and, and it affects everyone yeah likewise yeah literally yeah. in one way yeah. or another so we've, we've done quite a lot for cancer research we did a, a supper club February last year which we were cooking for 24 hours and we raised yeah just I think like 14 grand or something oh, near enough for, for cancer research um, over that and fed about 700 people I had loads of helpers you know amazing 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 chefs and and plum and, and, and spilt milk in uh, King's Cross. And that was an incredible event, but so great to be a part of something and bringing people together around food. And that, that's really become our thing, I guess, is, is we, uh, we just like to make sure that food is doing you know, things for good, whether that's not you know, raising money for, for charities. We do um, yeah, cancer research is our main charity. We also work for, do stuff for, for a homeless kitchen in West London, and we're about to do some stuff for... Um, do you want to give that a plug, the charity? Uh, yeah, well, it's St Andrew's Church in, in Fulham. So um, I've, I've been helping out there on and off for a couple of years now. We did a supper club there last year to raise money for those guys, and we'll probably do another supper club there this year. Excellent. And we're um, also doing stuff with the Campaign Against Living Miserably, which is a male suicide prevention charity. So we do a lot, and... and you know, I think f- food is such an important. Well, everyone eats. Everyone has to eat. <laughs> yeah, everyone eats. So it's sort of like, why not? And use most that people enjoy bring... eating exactly. as well. They don't all eat healthily, but presumably that's another side issue of. Uh, well, you don't have to eat really... he- healthy all the time. <laughs> well, not it's all the time. Yeah. Yeah. But we just we just love just doing stuff, and it means we get to do. We just get to do really cool stuff, and if it raises money for a great cause, then even better. So where's the running come in? Is that fundraising for charity as well? So instead of basically, Jack didn't come to the meeting with cancer research uh, when i decided that we could cook for 24 hours so i'm not i'm banned from going to any meetings on my own anymore um and for this so this year we decided we'd do something actually which is quite tough for us because i mean running is not really our thing so we thought instead of doing a cooking thing why not do running so we're doing the london landmarks half marathon for cancer research and we're going to do cooking around that to raise money so we're going to do a supper club on the 20th of march which we are about to come out with tickets um, we are indeed. And we're about to what? About to launch our launch uh, tickets will be available for that. Okay. They might be sold out by the time people <laughs> listen to this, but hopefully, uh, well, hopefully they are sold out. But if they're not sold out, please do buy them and various other bits and pieces again, yeah, to raise money for cancer research. The side benefit of that is that we've lost a bit of weight. And uh, yeah, well, that, yeah, it's good. And actually, we're loving the, run, loving the running. I know, it's amazing. I mean, I've never run more than, I still haven't run more than 10K in my whole life, though. So. A half marathon is just over double that, so uh, I'm just managing it because I've had I basically had eight knee operations, so I'm sort of tiptoeing in, but I'm 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 quietly confident it's going to be fine. And I, as long as I beat Billy, I'm, I'm happy. Well, you guys look look fit. You're doing good work. So what's what's next on the horizon for you two from a, a cooking point of view? What's your plans? Well, uh, we've got our dinner club, supper club. Um, that, that we, we try to do that pretty much monthly. So we'll be releasing dates for, I guess, what the spring summer season coming up. It makes it sound like a fashion label, doesn't it? It's pretty cool. <laughs> um, we're also working with Lavazza Coffee. We're doing some stuff for those guys, going over to Italy to find out more about them, which is really exciting. And loads of demos. We're doing River Cottage, uh, Maybach Holiday. Fest. We're yeah, popping up all over and just yeah. generally 
working with some cool brands like we've done over the last uh, last three years and just sort of having fun in the kitchen. Yeah, and, and also always writing our own recipes and putting them up on our website. It's billionjack.co.uk. So there's always kind of good stuff on there if you want to do something a bit different, challenge yourself. So no plans to open a restaurant, which is what most MasterChef finalists sort of tend to gravitate towards the, the problem is because i work in that industry i know how many come and go and how expensive <laughs> it is so it's sort of we're, we're biding our time it's a tough market at the moment is it for the restaurant industry what what's amazing about doing the supper clubs is that we we have full reign to do whatever we want we can you know we can decide to cook whatever we want people have an amazing time there's no pressure we don't have to fill you know seats on a tuesday night it allows us to cook for people, have an amazing time, and they have an amazing time. And you don't have to pay the rent. <laughs> uh, we don't have to pay the rent. No, yeah. absolutely. So it's it's you know, that's what we want to do at the moment, and that's you know it's great. It's awesome, and we we love doing it. So I'm going to ask each one of you in turn your favourite secret place in London that you would like to shout from the rooftops. You don't want everybody to know, but you really want to sort of brag about that you really love. So I'm going to go first with uh, Billy. Billy, what's your favourite place in London? So, so mine's quite easy, actually, and it's the uh, it's actually been around for about 52 years, so I'm going for something that's that's been here a while. It's Le Poulet Pot, lovely little French restaurant in Pimlico, Belgravia. Very romantic inside, but in the summer, they're in the sort of the triangle bit in Pimlico, and sitting outside there with a, with a glass of rosé eating some garlic snails, I mean, is there anything better? Sounds absolutely lovely. <laughs> Very romantic. Okay, and now over so to how Jack. How do I follow that? Go on, Jack. What's um, your favourite place in London? It's not really a secret, but I, 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 I seem to find myself eating the uh, bacon naan at Dishoom on a very, very regular basis. And I honestly think that it doesn't really get much better than that. Where is that? At Dishoom. So all the way, all, the, all around, King's Cross, Covent Garden, Old Street, they do a bacon naan for the breakfast menu. And it is unbelievable. They also do, and they do an egg naan and a sausage naan and all that sort of stuff but yeah i i, I eat it too much I, I might have a problem actually thinking about it <laughs> an addiction um, but see maybe not a secret spot but favorite pub in london is the is the toucan just off soho square for for i think probably the best pint of guinness in london cool Excellent. love that spot but don't all hurry there we, because <laughs> you know it's, it's, it's just it's, our little secret yeah it's just it's just quite nice and quiet <laughs> well Thank you very much, guys. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure having you here. And before we wrap up, can you just once again repeat where people can find you on Instagram, social media, your website? Just tell us your, your yeah. handles. <clears throat> yeah, so we're, we're uh, billionjack.co.uk is our website. Billy underscore and underscore Jack at Instagram and Twitter, I believe. Jack's, I don't know why I'm saying this. Jack's, Jack's head of social media. Have I got that right, Jack? Billy's got it exactly right, yeah. Billy underscore and underscore Jack. But generally, if you search for us, we pop up like a bad rash <laughs> thank you very much that. thank you guys it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show thank you for having us good, good luck to you both thank take you. care every week here at your london legacy we bring straight to your device a new and fascinating guest with a wonderful london-based story we hope you enjoy listening to their timeless stories as much as we enjoy creating them for you if so the best way to show your appreciation is to subscribe to the show Simply go to www.yourlondonlegacy.com and pop your name and email in the box where shown. That way, you'll never miss another episode. Thank you for your support.